This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello. Before we start this episode of the MMA Fan Podcast, we need to tell you about our sponsor, Free Train. Free Train do these fantastic running vests for you to run in, hit the bag in, and they keep your phone close to your chest. No more do you need to have your phone rumbling around in your pocket when you run or at an awkward angle on your arm. You can keep it on your chest with easy access to your phone whenever you go training. And uh, what can the people do, Stu, if they want to get a vest? Simple. Head over to www.freetrain.com. Have a look. See what you like. And when you pop it in the basket, just before you check out, pop in the code. MMA fan, save yourself 10%. I mean, don't ever let it be said we don't spoil you here on this podcast. www.freetrain.com. Go check them out. Excellent stuff. Right, on with the show. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about. Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognized brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins, and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, Brave, and Cage Warriors, with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at Phil underscore Supreme or their website, www.philsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello, and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin. Joining me always, Blake Harrison. Hello. Hi, mate. How's it going? All right. All right. Yeah, not, not too bad. Not too bad. An exciting one today. Yes, yeah, we have. We've got a great guest on today. Um, our guest is kind of storming up the uh, mm. the Bellator rankings in the uh, women's Bellator featherweight division. Uh, if you don't know yet, you will know very soon. Uh, we've got someone on. She's she's only six and one, but she's fourth ranked in the Bellator division. Her mm. first loss was her first ever pro fight. So I really want yeah. to ask her about kind of your first fight being a loss and how you come back from that. And she's gone on this winning streak is doing incredibly well. She's also young. I think she's only about 28, 27, 29. Oh, 29, 29 Mm. years old. And she's a single parent as well. I Mm. think if I'm not mistaken, I think she's the first mum we've had on the podcast. We've had a few dads. Is she the first mum we've had on the podcast? Oh, I think you might be right. You I know. think she is. I think she's the first mum. And not only is she a mum, but she's also, as far as I'm aware, she's a single parent as well. So mm. just the difficulties of putting together a kind of top level sporting career and being, you know, the sole parent. I want to ask her about all of these questions Definitely. as well. I think, think she's had a really interesting life. And she's still going. I mean, she's still young. She's in her she's in her twenties, and and she's got a lot going for her. Bellator think really highly of her. She's on, I think, a six fight win streak now, and she's getting closer and closer 
to the fight against the legend that is Chris Cyborg. Oh, oh. Mm. So, God, yeah, there's lots to talk about. Absolutely, absolutely. There's just a absolute army of fighters coming out of Ireland at the moment. And I'm, I'm interested to know, you know, what that's like. You know, having Owen Roddy, you know, uh, yeah. training you as well, you know, he's uh, he's got a tried and tested path of some champs. So, uh, yeah, lots to talk about today. Should we, I mean, should, should we crack on? Let's crack on. Let's not keep the people waiting any longer. Give them what they want, Harrison. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Leah, the curse, McCourt. Leah, how you doing? You all hey. right? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. All good. Good, good, good. good. Well, before we, we, we get into uh, your, your career and what's been happening of late, I want to take you back to kick things off, please, Leah. And if you could just tell us a little bit what it was like growing up in Ireland. Yeah, I so I live in Bel. I actually live in Belfast, the troubled the troubled part of Ireland, <laughs> Northern Ireland. So, I um, we I don't know. Like, I, I grew up in like the generation of like you know like this kind of guys like McConnell and Carl Frampton, and that's kind of how I got into fighting because I always loved martial arts. I did judo as a child, um, and. Yeah, it's, it's it's different, you know, when you come to Northern Ireland and experience the difference, like, the history and stuff. So, I've, you know, I've kind of been, um, I've always trained and, and learned from all sides of the community. So it's been interesting. And, um, yeah, it's, it's obviously Ireland is so steeped in fighting history. Like, yeah. um, I trained in the south of Ireland as well. And it's it's definitely a special place to to come from. And I'm very proud of it. Did you feel like you had to be tough growing up in, in Belfast? Was that something that was ingrained in you? Because I think I've heard the story that, was it your dad that sent you and maybe sisters as well into judo? Yeah. And is, am I right in thinking that there were times where you weren't too fond of going to the judo classes as yeah, a kid? Yeah, that's right. So, so my dad, he's actually from Liverpool. He's a scouser. My mum's from Belfast. So it's always going to be hard no matter what was like. <laughs> <laughs> And then he, I just, I had a passion really young for, for martial arts. Like I loved watching Bruce Lee movies and loved anything to do with martial arts. And um, yeah, I didn't love judo. I always wanted to learn how to strike. So that's how actually how MMA came about. After I had my daughter Isabella, I went to like an MMA gym and I learned was learning like Muay Thai. And, and that's when the guys heard out a background in grappling and, and judo, that's when they kind of made me have a fight and I had no idea what I was doing. I just was thrown into the deep end. <laughs> well, so, I mean, that makes, I mean, because your your record is, is six and one, if I'm right in saying that, and your only loss is that first ever fight. Professional, my Professional yeah. Yeah, so I've obviously fought, like, was for amateur as well quite a lot of fights amateur and then yeah my first my professional debut I lost and then since then have yeah have won did you have any moments like after that first professional fight where you had any kind of like self-doubt or anything like that where you went oh god I've got I've gone professional and I've lost that first fight was was there any kind of worries there at all yeah I still do every day I'm still like oh. what am I doing <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're on a six-fight win streak now. I mean, you would have thought that maybe you've gone, oh, no, I'm, I'm good at this. But are you saying you still get... Because it's, it's what we're calling nowadays that imposter syndrome, isn't it? Where oh, this, is what, this is what my coaches spoke about fight week. The whole, my whole last fight week, I honestly was like, I can't remember how to... How am I going to know what to do when I get in there? How am I going to remember combinations? And the boys were like, Leah, this is like... They, they told me about this imposter syndrome and I was like... How am I coming events in Wembley? Like, what am I even? Do- I have no idea what I'm doing, and I still get that. Like those that massive doubts and massive. Like I do suffer really bad from nerves, and and I no matter what, I always fight. I always always de- deal with it and always like um, embrace it. But I definitely have those those doubts and those like demons in your head saying that you shouldn't be there. But you have to just keep. It's, it's like anything in life. Like you have to keep fighting against those those voices that are really loud all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, but how do you do that? Like, what 
what coping mechanisms do you have? I mean, like I'm, I'm in the middle of doing a, a play at the moment and the first like week of the run and a play, you're constantly like, do I know my lines? Oh my God, do I know what I'm doing? And you are really nervous. You're going out yeah. in front of a few hundred people to perform and you, you hope you don't mess it up and you hope you don't embarrass yourself and all that kind of thing. But you, you just, you kind of just, just have to do it, trust yourself and get through it. But in my world, no one's going to punch me in the face unless I do something yeah. really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so like, how see, do you deal with it? See, when I'm backstage, like warming up, that's the most, like sometimes the most surreal place to be when you're, you're in this like dingy four by four room and it's everybody, you can just sense the nerves and anxiety of the other fighters warming up, maybe going out before you getting themselves psyched up. And we're like, we're in this tiny room and we're about to walk out for the 10,000 people. And it's not like, like we're singing or dancing. Like, we're actually fighting something yeah. in a cage and I like I really have all this going in my, through my head back then. like imagine I was a singer how much easier life would be if I was just walking out and I could sing but no I'm actually <laughs> fighting someone in a cage in like five minutes <laughs> so that whole scenario me, is crazy isn't it it's like there's, <laughs> there's no see even like a fight they said I'm like there's nobody in the world that you can actually describe what is what is going on like you wake up in a hotel room with your team and everybody's like nervous and and they know it's fight day and like walking on eggshells because you're really like snappy and it's like you have to wait the whole day so it's like it's like the longest day of your life it's like impending doom like every hour is getting closer <laughs> to that minute you have to walk to the arena and it's like it's the total and it's not like I'm not scared of getting hurt I'm not scared of it's just the unknown it's like you don't know what you go in and your life could, could be changed for the better and and money and massive opportunities or you go in and be somebody's highlight real knockout and get played on the internet for like the next the rest of your life like and that, that is what makes it so exciting as well and it makes especially MMA fighters I think so special because it's not just boxing you can't just get knocked out there's so many ways to win and there's so many ways to lose and like all these 10 million thoughts in your head trying to like center it in and, and focus that you're going into fight and you do this every day you're trained you literally train five hours a day to do this like it's just so much goes on and it's like it's, it's hard to describe just one of the other things like in in the last you know few fights you've had we've we've, we've definitely you know as a spectator seen that there's a lot of media interest in you Leah and and I just wonder how you found in fight week like how how it's different having media obligations to maybe some of your earlier fights when your focus was just just got a fight and make way and now there's the added you know whether it's a bonus or not I don't know how you'd view it but you know the added extra that you've now got to carry out these media obligations and and do and I guess do stuff like what you're doing now with us like you know how does that is that a distraction or how do you factor that into your, your, your mindset and process of, of fight week? Yeah. It's, I think it's, since my amateur career, there's always been a wee bit of like a bit more, I don't know whether it's hype or attention on my fights because obviously I'm mum and I think people can or, or kind of question why, why I love, you know, MMA and why I love fighting. And I've kind of always had to deal with that. Um, I don't know, we, we put a bit of more eyes on whatever I'm doing just because I think people find it interesting because I'm relatable to some like mums and whatever. And it's definitely, yeah, whenever like some of the girls or guys I'm talking to that are on in the prelims and they're, they're on and there's maybe not as many people in the arena and I'm like, oh, like, I wish I was on early. I wish I was just getting in, getting out. And like, there's not all this like attention and what's going to happen after the next fight, like blah, blah, blah. Like, I definitely do do feel like there's a lot more um, pressure. No, I don't know if it's pressure, but there's the right word, but, like, at stake sometimes when you, you're given those, like, main and co-main event slots because, obviously, like, the promotion build it up to be this. Or, you know, they, they do a lot of, like, work behind the scenes to promote the fighters. And, and it's, like, you're kind of... You know, there's a bigger drop if, if you don't do well. And, it, it, obviously, there's a big... There's a, there's more benefit when you do do well. I don't know if I'm explaining that right. But yeah, sometimes I just think I wish it wasn't, you know, it, maybe having to do so much like fight week, especially when you're cutting weight. But then it, sometimes it's a distraction as well. Whenever you can't eat and you're, you're starving and you have to go and do things. So there's like a plus, there's like positives and negatives with it as well. But um, I've kind of always had to do it. Like even I was saying to the, the guys, you know, like my first, 
professional debut was like on the main card of Cage Wars. I've never had like time to develop and build my kind of experience up on, you know, in the cage. It's always been like big nights, massive shows, like big um, opportunities. So I've kind of got used to that aspect of it, but it doesn't make it any more easier, Mm. if you know what I mean. And you you mentioned being a mum and uh, I think, is your daughter Isabella? Yeah, Isabella. Yeah, Isabella, yeah. And, and I think you had her quite young. Were you about 17 when you had Isabella? Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I was 18 when I had 18. her, yeah. And so, I mean, that's a very young, you're very young to have, have, have your, yeah. your first child there. Was that ever um, a scary thing or, or was that ever a, a, a difficult thing in terms of like outside influences, either commenting or or, 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 or thinking in any way, negatively about that and have you been able to take any of that as inspiration for your career in MMA? Um, I've always been very driven I've had, like, I've had like three jobs since I was 14 I've always been a worker always like earned my own money always done everything been so independent but like I have to be seriously honest like I could sit and say like stereotypically people have said this I my mum was like, like everybody's like, Leah, like you just got on with it. Like you weren't even know when you were pregnant. You didn't complain when you were pregnant. Like you were working three jobs. You did driving tests, passed your personal training qualification. Like I don't know. I just kind of dealt with it. And it's like th- that wasn't the bit. Like stuff that happened later in my life. <laughs> it's like my mum was always like, "This is going to be the hardest thing that ever happens to you." And it's like. The devil was like, "Oh really? Hold my pint here." <laughs> other things. See, see how she copes with this after. <laughs> the, the, like it, it's just been part of me and like my story, and it's never been an issue. And I know I'm I'm very fortunate because I have a support network that's let me do what I do and obviously achieve what I what I have. But I know there's a lot of um, mums that are in this, in similar positions don't have that and aren't mm. as fortunate in their um, circle. But I do hope that I could like. Like, you know, apart from that, there's been 10 million other trials and things. And I just like to keep putting out the message that no matter what happens or no matter what situation you're in or what what cards life deals you, you can always achieve no matter, like anything. doesn't matter what. You can always overcome it. With, what, what, oh, gosh, with that in mind... Uh, Leah, do you feel a, a, a weight of responsibility as, 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 a, as a, I guess, a role model? You know, being a, a mother and a, a Christian and, 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 and a woman in this this rapidly growing sport, do you do you feel that weight? I just, I don't know. I just really just try and be myself and just like I, I do, and I. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just, I always said, yeah, I don't know. I don't really feel any responsibility. Just try and, and be myself and do the right thing. That's it. And try and, you know, achieve things and obviously I believe everybody's given a purpose to glorify God and I think that's my, this is my my 
purpose and I just always say like his will be done like in my life like whether I'm go on to lose the next 20 fights or win them like God's plan's always better than the plan I have for my own life so and I trust him so that's you know and he gives us platforms to influence people and I just um try and do that positively sure so I mean you you mentioned like you you are I think an inspiration but not just to to mums I think to to dads as well I think to any any parents out there particularly single parents will look at someone like yourself as as an inspiration so and what I wanted to know was what are the most difficult aspects and what are the most positive aspects of being a single parent in in your field in in MMA which is such a unique not even within the sporting world it's quite unique but as as an athlete as well what what are the most difficult aspects and what are the most positive aspects of it um, I, people always talk about me being a mum, but I always say like I'm just the same as any other working mum, and it's just that I'm in the you know to like, get a bit more media attention or in the spotlight a bit more. Like I always say like like my role models are the people around me. Like my mum, she's a radiographer in the cancer centre in Belfast, like running cancer trials. Like my sister's a teacher for in a, in a school with kids with learning disabilities, and and does so much work with um children in care and my brother-in-law and my sister works in a nursing home do you like these people they're the people that aren't celebrated aren't in the yeah. spotlight they're like the real role models do you mean like that are doing selfless jobs every day that are doing are giving back to, they're just they're either they're working for like to help others every single day like hands-on um so I always look at them and they inspire me uh, I can't even remember the question. What was it again? <laughs> no, I was just asking. But, but I, firstly, I just have to say I completely agree with you. I think sports personalities and people in acting and music and like that, they're, they're sort of over-celebrated professions. Yeah, I agree, yeah. yeah. And whereas, you know, as you say, particularly with the times we've had, anyone working within the, the NHS or, 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 or you know, the certain, uh, in the, uh, emergency services and, and, and things like that, aren't celebrated enough you know we make all the big things about like the the oscars and like the mercury awards or whatever it is it's like i don't really do a lot of podcasts so i can't be bothered talking about myself i'm just like i'm sick of listening to myself i was like who wants to listen to me but i yeah no i totally agree and and whenever people talk about me being this and that i'm like well there's like people in everyday our communities that are the people that are really like yeah. Do you know they're, they're just in so, so much service to other people? Yeah. Completely agree. Well, one of the things that um, I'd be interested to, to, to ask as well as, as, as a female fighter is we, we saw an interesting um, situation arrive with uh, Aspen Ladd uh, and, and the fight being sort of uh, taken away from her and, and not being allowed to fight. And, and, and I guess that come that, you know, she, she, Put that. I'm trying to get this question right here. Um, she obviously uh, aligned that to uh, her time of the month and having a big yeah. influence on her. And I just wonder, is this discussed enough? Like, you know, the extra hurdles to be fight ready for women? Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it is. And I think it's going to take a lot to change because a lot of female fighters brushed under the, under the carpet as well. And they're like, I, I was on mine as well. It's like, yeah, but it affects people differently. Mm. Their, you know, the weight cut, water retention, just even their moods and 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 camp and fight week and sparring and it's just definitely something that um probably should be talked about a bit more. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, no, I, I, go on, I just thought it felt weird that that <clears throat> that, that Misha Tate then come out and, yeah. and kind of rained yeah. on her, and I was like. Come on, you should, you should surely understand yeah. the, the situation here. And it felt, it felt a little different than it expects. You know, it's like you, you don't know until you're in that situation. And yeah, I, I did agree. I think thought that was strange to just throw her under the bus whenever she obviously was hmm. dying anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, we've had. Uh, uh, I think the, the main, the most important thing you said is, it, it, like with so many things in the world, it affects people differently there's women that will yeah. be affected completely differently and molly mccann we had on a while back talking about this subject and she was saying that you know she can be physically sick uh yeah. i mean that's uh, and also uh she also uh said that there was something like um 
you're 80 or 80 percent, 80 or 85 percent more likely to be injured within the first week of your period than you are at yeah. any other point. And like, well, when you think about that, if you're on a 10 week training camp, that's two or three weeks of training camp that you might not yeah. be able to train properly. And we, yeah. particularly because I think MMA is still has a predominantly male fan base. We've not yeah. discussed this enough and thought about it. I think it is coming more to the forefront of discussions now, which is a really good thing. And it is maybe something that we should consider and think about. And the fact that like cycles maybe should kind of line up a bit more or with, with, with dates of fights or opponents or anything like that, just so that there is parity there and, you know, no one's getting extra training with, and all that kind of stuff. I, d- I don't, I don't have the brain power to work out how these things would yeah. work, but there's definitely something to be said for, conversations at least with top female athletes to go we we need to look at this a bit more and make sure that everyone's on a level playing field yeah and i i don't have the brain part right this second to, to, to figure out or to even think of how to make it more um fair for females it's just kind of one of those things that we're expected to just suck it up and deal with it because mm. not only that it's like there's times in the month where you're absolutely starving like i mean like crave and it's like that if that happens three times like that week is three, three weeks in a fight camp like you're due to you know calories everything it's just your body needs more energy to, to, to function that day or um my sister has endometriosis and i have on uh, back to the endometriosis that I'm getting looked into at the minute which is like the most severe pain like I can't even describe the pain it's like it's like we literally can't get out of bed during that much pain and like it, it was that every single month sometimes more and it's like there's there's just so much surrounding it that you know and and again affects people differently but you know I definitely suffer very very badly from from that yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, this conversations like this that we're having now and the Aspen Lad situation will open that door, and we can have more conversations mm-hmm. and more research, and things can be done into it to make things fairer for female athletes. Yeah. Um, one thing I also wanted to ask you about was was, and we ask everyone about this is 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 social media. You know, there's so many kind of seems positives and negatives with social media. You can gain followers, sponsorships, and money, but also there's a lot of negativity that can come with social media, the trolls and all that kind of thing. How do you deal with social media and, and, and balance those two things out? Um, like, I don't, I haven't really experienced that, that many trolls. Like I, I don't know. I, yeah. It can be it, like, say you want to not be on it for four weeks. It's like you, you physically can't because you have to post sponsors. You have to post training. You have to let people know what you're doing. You have to, you know, keep engaged with your audience so that, that they want to watch you fight because, you know, a lot of big things about getting is opportunities and getting, you know, on, on big promotions is, is that people need to be interested in you and interested in your your career. And, and if you just go ghost and don't bother, you know, keeping people up to date, you can become a wee bit, like, forgotten about. Whereas, mm. yeah, it's definitely... I know a lot of people do a lot more than what I do, but I try and keep people as up to date as possible. Um and it's nice as well. Sometimes when you're in, in training camps, you can be it can be really lonely, like doing ten weeks on your own. Like mm. especially for me, it's like driving to the gym, coming home from the gym, like constantly. You know, you don't go out at weekends. You can't go out for dinner with your family. You can't be around people when they're eating. You know, it's it's like sometimes they, they engage with, your, with people or, or let them know what you're up to. It's quite nice as well. And so in regard, you, you mentioned training camp. So are you are you back in the gym now? Um, I just got back from Texas. I was competing last weekend in, in America. When did I get? I don't even know what that is. It's Tuesday, so I got back about a week ago. Um, I this week I've got like events to have to attend, and next week I'm in London. My friend Chantel's fighting in, in the O2, and the week after that, then I'll be back back training. Yeah, but I still I still train, but I'm just not like back in intense camp. I'm just waiting for my fight date. I haven't got anything confirmed yet. And weren't you in Texas winning a jiu-jitsu tournament? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, that's amazing. You're just like, yeah, just casually. Like, yes, yes, I was doing that. That's amazing. I mean, I was going to ask you, you you've done incredibly well, particularly in, in, in the grappling scene as well. You know, you've, you were judo black belt. You've, you won the IMAFs as well back in, in 2016. And you've won, I think, have you won two? Like, was it a blue belt and a brown belt? Maybe like jiu-jitsu tournaments now over the years? Well, it's... The, the world, the world yeah. championships, Nogi, I've won 
a blue and brown belt. Yeah. And I've won a blue and purple belt, the Europeans. Yeah, I, I do. I try, like to keep busy and just to love. I love um, competing because you still, you get you get nerves. And you have the whole keeps you sharp. You know, in between yeah. tournaments. And I really missed that when during the pandemic because and, and again, like you get to travel the world and, and you get to experience so much and meet your friends and people in, in that kind of that kind of circuit. You know, a lot of people just do jujitsu, and I really love the freedom of like just entering and going and, and giving it a go. Like I really love that. It's like Texas last week. I just decided like two days. I, I said to myself like it would be a dream if I won in London and then wasn't injured and could go out to Texas and compete in the world. And I, and I didn't really have any expectations. I just knew I wanted to to try. I wanted to go out and give it a go. And uh, yeah, I travelled over to Texas on my own and sat in the bus and cut weight on my own that morning for the, the tournament and and did did well so I was very glad um, and a lot of people can't get into America but I had my exemption because the NIE was better so I was just thought do you know what like opportunities aren't ever guaranteed if there's an opportunity there for me to go and achieve something like why not do it like I might yeah. not have only done just, I might not have just focused in this tournament but um with the whole pandemic like fights were cancelled tournaments were cancelled for years so just go and do it just felt, I felt God opened every door and he was just telling me to go and do it go and do it because like my exemption came through the night before but like I, I left it was literally like the last everything was last minute I just really trusted him when I went and did it so how many days were between the fight in London where you won and then the jiu-jitsu tournament it was a week so it was it was Friday the 1st I was competing I was yeah, in, London, in Wembley. And then the next Friday I was in Texas. <laughs> That's amazing. So you're just a week. Like, you weren't like, most people would be like, oh my God, I've just had a, a big fight. Let me go and eat pizza for a few weeks. Relax. No, I, I don't want to cut weight. I did, <laughs> you did eat pizza. Yeah. <laughs> and then you still cut weight in a bath a few days later yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Did you regret the pizza while you were cutting weight in the bath? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in regards to sort of, uh, you know, staying active and, and, and training regular, I just want to ask you what your approach is to, to sparring, like, and, you know, and striking. Like, is, we, we you know, we have loads of different camps that, that have different approaches to it. So, you know, some fighters now, we have Robbie Lawler saying he rarely, rarely spars now. I just wonder what your, your stance is on sparring. Um. I no like for me where I'm my career, I can see why Robin and some guys don't because they've done so much of it and they have the time down have the speed down have do they've so much experience fighting they don't need to be sparring every week whereas me where I'm my career like I need to be um, progressing and developing and and sparring it's, it's obviously difficult I constantly have to spar men and I um it's always challenging and, and a bit demoralizing you're constantly having to spar bigger stronger like men and women like are totally different you know body body types and um but it's definitely a big part of my my camps I spar two three times a week uh, you know I try and do as much as I can but um outside of, if I haven't got a fight date I don't do a lot of it like I, I maybe once a week but definitely in fight camp you know especially to simulate your opponent and stuff and, and it's it's um it creates a different type of cardio as well because you're you're put under that pressure it's like you need to feel that, have those hard rounds to get used to dealing with hard rounds in the fight. 100%. And uh, we had Jojo Calderwood on a while back as well, and she was saying that that was one of the reasons that she moved to syndicate MMA over in, in Vegas was she couldn't find enough female training partners and training with men was di- different. Do you, do you find it difficult to find training partners, that are the female training partners? Yeah, definitely, especially my weight <coughs> my class. And, and over here I don't really have any I don't actually don't even have one <laughs> so I just have to train with the guys but and uh, yeah I do I do travel a lot to train though. I've been to Thailand I, oh, I train, I've been out to Dubai in January go to the UK a lot like I do travel a lot to train but yeah it's definitely a big big problem I don't know if it's, a, like, it's definitely just an issue for females yeah. in, in like UK Europe but you know obviously there's big teams in America all have a lot of girls yeah but yeah, just another. So, thing with- so when you come to the UK, uh, Dad being a scarcer, do you get yourself over to Next Gen? Yes, I've I've trained there a lot. Um, Paul Rimmer's a brilliant coach. 
you know, he's he's fantastic mind, and you can see like how every you know his teams doing the FC. He's just um for years and years. I've travelled over to Liverpool, and he's it's it's I love learning from him. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I wanted to know like we. We had uh, years ago, like Rose Namajunas shaved all her, her hair off to say, you know, I'm I'm not a model. I'm just a fighter, and that's all I want to be treated as. And then recently, we've had Paige Van, Paige Van Zandt come out and say things like, she earns more from like a, a modeling Instagram post and sponsorships than what she did from like her UFC fight contracts. And I was wondering, do you feel any pressure? To, to look good, good uh, outside of your athletic ability? Like, do you feel like there's any kind of unfair expectations or pressures on you to, to be judged on your appearance as well as your athletic ability, which is something that obviously men won't really have to deal with the way that, that women have to deal with it in our sport? Um, I don't know. I haven't really ever thought about it. I just... Um, I've always kind of been myself. I know that yeah. people have made comments that Oli is the main event because she's good looking, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, my multiple world titles and yeah. my accolades speak differently. You know, people like to, people, and a lot of people don't like to see other people be doing well, and especially confident women or like people, women who are sure of themselves in in certain uh, you know areas of life. They don't like to see them owning where they are and I, I've definitely I've seen like just like some salty people but like it never would ever bother me like I don't it's like reading in the, a troll on Twitter it's like who like who even would ever I don't know why people would get annoyed about like trolls and stuff it's like these totally irrelevant more than likely unsuccessful people talking about you because they're so unhappy mm. like that's just my view <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's a great view to have. I think that's great that you've got the kind of strength of mind to just go, that's that's not important stuff at all. Yes. Yeah, totally. But then I, then some people just are different. Just feel like I have so much drama in my real life. I don't need to listen to them online. <laughs> well, I mean, what's coming up? What Moving forward, Leah, what, what's the plan? Literally sitting, like I have, like if you look at my notebook, like I am the most like goal oriented, oriented, like a single Like I'm literally writing the lists of, of stuff that I need to do. <laughs> to have like a fight day, a big fight day, or a tournament or something coming up. So I was like, oh my goodness, I have no dates. What am I gonna do? I was like, right, I'm gonna book a week training here, do this, this, this. But I'm just gonna, um, I've got like. A, stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks and I'm uh, going to try and torture Bellator to get my next fight date so I have it in my head so I can just think about it. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to like deal with life when I'm not fighting because I <laughs> with it. Like, I'm going to have to take up a different hobby or something. Yeah, well, I mean, what when it comes to that, that next fight, that, that, that Bellator fight that you're going to be uh, aiming to get, I mean, you're, four, you're ranked fourth in the world. You've only had seven fights and you're ranked fourth in Bellator. Surely you're only one win away from the Cyborg fight, which is massive. Yeah. I mean, Cyborg's had something like 26 fights. You, If you win your next fight, you would have had eight fights and you might be in for a title shot. Is that in any way daunting going into a fight where there's that kind of discrepancy when it comes to like experience levels? Or do you welcome that kind of challenge? Um, I definitely welcome it. I definitely feel like it's inevitable and it's going to happen. Like whatever the timing is right, and I just like I'm. A, I always say I know I was an amateur world champion, and I know I, it's my destiny to be a professional world champion. I know I will be, um, you know, world champion, and that's like my motivation. Like not money, not anything like it's it's just to achieve that goal and I just I'm literally just take it one fight at a time and see where it leaves me after and yeah it's so surreal to be like I watched like Cyborg I, I watched I think was her fight was one of the first MMA fights I ever watched before I even did MMA I suppose actually now when I stop and think about it it's like it's crazy that not only are we in the same division that we're going to fight probably fight soon you know um and I, I'm so excited for Sinead because like, it's been one of my training partners. She's got that opportunity and I'm just so happy for her. I just, 
uh, and that's next and I just want to um, kind of like give her the kind of limelight for a while and yeah. let her like, like let her shine you know I think she deserves it and she's such a good person and I'm really excited for her and you, you've mentioned your faith a couple of times on this as well. And when you go through your social media, you're putting up all this positive, lovely stuff about uh, that, that stems from your faith. And I just wanted to know, is that something you've always had? Is that something your parents instilled in you? Or, or, or is that something you've, you found later on in life? Um, no, like my my parents, my, my mum and my grandparents, they would all be believers. We've always went to church. And suppose when I was growing up, like, we kind of stopped going for a while and then after I had Isabella like I just wanted to make sure she was going and um, was brought up in in the same way that we would have been and, and given that you know opportunity to go to church and she loves it and she she goes to her bible club every Wednesday night and she goes to church with me and um having her definitely brought me closer to God again and and to kind of lean into him for guidance in my life. One of the other things that we we, we, we like to ask uh, fighters, you know, during or fight camp and stuff like that is um, the face-off. Like, do you? We've had fighters say that they look into their eyes and can, you know, can see they're scared, and or we see people that just completely blase and don't even make eye contact. Like, what's your your sort of thoughts on on that kind of final stare, Dan? I love it. I love it. Do you mean in the weigh-in or at the fight? Oh, good point. Normally, I'm I'm thinking weigh-in, but um, yeah, I mean, tell me about the differences then. Uh, I suppose, like on fight night, it's like I just like don't take my eyes off them, and then it's the same in, in the weigh-in as well. I don't know. I just really like it. <laughs> Are you, Do you doing that kind of? Can you see if they're scared? Is it something that you can? I- I can't see if they're scared. I think I'm just so sure of myself. I don't really care. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so is it a case of asserting that with them? Like, look how... how come- Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Comfortable and confident I am right now. Mm, not really for me. I just I'm really like um I don't know. There's just in a weird zone, weird like mindset. It's, it's hard. It's so hard to describe. So many emotions, mm. so many things about fighting. It's so hard to like vocalize. If you know what I mean. And and do, and do you think there's anything to be sort of taken from? You know, uh, uh, added to that confidence is is that army of incredible mixed martial artists that are coming out of Ireland at the moment is that something that you know you feel super proud to be part of yeah especially the guys that we've like eight years ago we were all trained together and that we're still here still grinding still like you know pushing like the barriers that it's just so nice to see everybody excelling and doing well especially from such a small island you, you mentioned uh, pizza earlier. What's your number one post-fight meal? Like I, I always tell people, it's like it has to be McDonald's, and I really, like, <laughs> I'm not 
big. I don't really love like <coughs> their, but I definitely love McDonald's. <laughs> what is it? What are you talking like? Quarter pounder nuggets? No. What are you on about? No, flex. So, but chicken <laughs> selects. A very niche, very niche choice. The chicken selects at McDonald's. I like it. Oh, wonderful. Well, Leah, it's been an absolute joy being able to talk MMA and life and all of that stuff in and around it with you today. So, yeah, absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. No, thank you, Leah. Cheers. Thanks so much. No worries. Bye, guys. See ya. Well, there you go. Leah McCourt. Boom. Done. The curse. Leah McCourt. And that is it. That is, you know... That's a brilliant chat. I think it's just really interesting getting the insights of, again, first mum we've ever had on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, a single parent that's, you know, she's on a six-fight win streak. And, I mean, she had a, her first professional fight was a loss. She's come back from that. She spoke a bit about imposter syndrome as well and how yeah. she's going into fights kind of thinking, oh, I don't know quite how to deal with this. And then her coaches are kind of getting her through it. And I think stories and, 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 and fighters talking about stuff like that just makes them seem more more human and more vulnerable and I, and I really love that I like hearing from from people that do this amazing sport and put themselves in these extreme fight or flight situations they're going into it not with some kind of bloodlust they're going into it going oh shit I don't even know if I really know what I'm doing yeah. And then she goes out and pulls out all these wins and is, is as, as we said at the start, firing her way up the Bellator rankings. And, and that's and great. That was what was really interesting. You know, you say six and one, like seven fights, ranked fourth, literally potentially a fight away from, from Cyborg. And you ask many people, do you want to fight Chris Cyborg? And most of them are going to go, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, yeah, welcome it. Yeah, which and is like, great. And like, you know, there takes some serious you know focus mindset and confidence to go yeah I want that yeah because I, well, I wouldn't <laughs> oh I, I, absolutely yeah. I mean as, and we were discussing Cyborg's got like 26 fights I think it yeah. was Leah's got 7 I mean so th- in terms of experience there's a, a world of difference there but yeah. you know Leah's doing the right thing she, she's, she's doing all these tournaments so the fact that she's she's winning a fight her last yeah. fight a co-main event in London on, on the Michael Venom Page card she wins that fight it's, a, it's not a quick finish it's a three round decision ground out fight and then a win says, says to Bellator before this can I fight in six weeks time in Ireland yeah but also, a week later, is in Texas. She flies all the way to oh, Texas. No. Is cutting weight again to do a jiu-jitsu tournament. I mean, yeah. that's real dedication there. And that's, that's something... Champ- that, that's a champion's mentality. 100% that's a champion's mentality. And, and you know, we absolutely wish Leah all the best uh, with her journey to hopefully realise that goal and be- become a professional uh, world champion. Absolutely. If you like hearing uh, incredible female mixed martial artists talk, then have a look in our back catalogue because you can hear us talking two episodes um, with friend of the show now. We can call her that. Uh, Meatball Molly McCann. You can hear us talking to Jojo Calderwood. You can hear us talk to Angela Hill. Amazing chat of Angela Hill, who, if any of you's um, heard her commentary on the Cage Warriors San Diego show, Angela Hill, what a commentator as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. Who else we had on? Who else we, we had are, on? I mean, on top of that, we've had uh, stars like Alexander Volkanovsky, Tyron Woodley, Kenny Florian, uh, Paddy the Baddy. We've had him on twice. Jack Shaw on twice. Uh, Paul Craig, Tom Aspinall. Um, God, the, uh, uh, Arnold Allen. The list just goes on and on and on. And hopefully we'll be getting some more brilliant interviews. Oh, Dan Hardy. Dan Hardy. Let's and not forget that one. Let's not Only forget come that. Out a couple that, of weeks ago. Yeah. And it's an absolute cracker. An absolute cracker. Dan Hardy, uh, uh, Mason Jones, Mark Goddard, uh, John Gooden, UFC commentator John Gooden, and uh, and let's not forget the fun fight or flight episodes we've had where we've got guests in that aren't in any way to do with the MMA world. We give them a fight to watch, and then we have, have spoken to them about that fight and and got their opinions on MMA and their kind of preconceptions 
Legends of MMA and then what they think it is after the We've had like um, Emily Head from the Inbetweeners, uh, Laura Checkley from Mac. King Gary, Lee Mack, Thomas Turgoose, James Arthur, uh, where we spoke to him about his love of MMA. He's a big uh, super MMA fan. Uh, and yeah, God, we've had this, 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 such an array of different people on this show from, from celebrities to fighters to commentators, refs, you name it. We've had it. Uh, journalists like Sean Sheehan, uh, brilliant chat with him. And uh, yeah, the list goes on and on. So check out the back catalogue because as, as we've said before, other podcasts do a lot of interviews where it's about what's happening now and what we try to do is really get inside the heads of, of, of fighters and guests that we talk to and talk to them not just about what's going on in their careers at that moment in time but about their careers in general the, the long term uh, the starts to the to finishes if they're retired of, of their careers like people like Brad Pickett we've had on as well and uh, and yeah so you can check those out and even if they're a few months old they'll still resonate with you today so check go through scroll through and if there's any names that you like that pop up on the list give it a listen and if you don't want to just give it a listen if you want to look at uh, our beautiful faces uh, and the guests then you can head over to our new YouTube channel well it's not that new now it's been going about a month now but literally there's probably 25 episodes now that you can go yep. and watch so you can go and see us chatting to all of our guests and we've mentioned it before and I'll mention it again if you ever want to see a shirtless Tyrone Woodley in space <laughs> driving a car head over to our YouTube channel absolutely and hopefully we'll get some uh, is it 267 coming up soon we'll get a preview show yeah, out to you boy. soon uh, if it's not out already we're not sure when this is getting released but I think it'll be soon and uh, and then a post fight show hopefully as well and we've got a special catch up episode that should be available for you now as well we've discussed all of the kind of interesting moments in, in MMA over the last uh, few weeks including uh, some positive things like the great Dan Hooker story that's going on at the moment yeah. uh, the kind of back end of UFC you 266 love Dan Hooker, didn't I'm you? a big <laughs> I can't I really want Dan Hooker to reply to a message I'm going to send him one now and say, Dan, come on the show, and he'll probably never see it. But uh, but I do. I'm a big, big Dan Hooker fan, and I think what he's done recently is just really made the, the MMA community stand up and really take notice and show him show him some love because he's he's shown some big old balls as Dan Hooker yeah. by stepping in to fight Islam Makachev on four weeks' notice, which will be coming up very, very soon, which I'm very excited about. Um, and, yeah, I can't remember what I was going to say after that. There was, there was some other stuff. Oh, yeah, obviously. Oh, you, you, you've gone all funny, ain't you? I've got to think straight oh, God, now thinking get, about Dan Hooker. Oh, God. Can you see the love heart emojis in my eyes as I talk about Dan Hooker? Um, but also, oh, and next week we'll be talking about the court injunction that Dan Hooker took out on Blake Harrison. <laughs> it's got a restraining order. Um, but yes, so we're talking about that. And obviously, there has been some negative news within the MMA sphere of late. We do discuss a little bit of that as well. So check out our catch up episode uh, to get our thoughts on everything that's going on in MMA over the last few weeks and then we'll hit you up with the regular pre and post fight shows and other fighter interviews coming your way subscribe now and we'll see you next time bye guys